welcome back to that First Step podcast, season two. On today's show, I am joined by my wonderful friend and serial entrepreneur, Matt Overtveld. I met Matt about two years ago when I first joined Salesforce. However, since then, he has left the corporate world in search of his passion being an entrepreneur and the global pandemic didn't stop him. If anything, it accelerated his success. And he is here today to share all of his wisdom and knowledge, good and bad stories, with us today. For sure, you'll have a laugh, but no doubt you'll leave with amazing, amazing advice. And also that pick-me-up we all need on a Monday morning, or whenever you get the chance to listen to this. So please let me introduce you to Matt, And without further ado, let's get into the show. Well, hello, Matt. Good morning and welcome to that First Step podcast. How are you today? Morning, Jess. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thanks so much for asking. So, Matt, you're an absolutely really busy man. You have 100% gotten into so many new ventures since I last saw you at the start of this year. So before we get into all your exciting news and your plans, can you give us a brief introduction to yourself, a background, what you did in school and what you wanted to be when you grew up? For sure, yeah. Um, so I'll try and keep this concise. <laughs> not, my, not my strength usually, but um, so brief background, I suppose, just on, on like my personal background. I am uh, half Dutch and half South African by blood. Um, I was born in South Africa originally, so maybe or maybe not, you'll hear that a little bit in my accent. Um, But as anyone who knows me will know, I spent most of my childhood um, moving around, sort of every, about every two years we'd move somewhere new, Um, but ended up in Singapore. That was, that was kind of where I finished high school. And from there, I went to university in the Netherlands. Um, And that's actually where I was right before we met, obviously in Ireland. Um, But there I studied, I went the business route. Um, I mean... In a way, maybe I wasn't like 100% sure, like I really want to focus in and do this thing, but I, I was always really interested in business, so that seemed a great route. Uh, I ended up doing, I went to um, Erasmus University, Rotterdam School of Management, um, and I studied international business basically for a bachelor. Uh, and I followed that on, stayed there to do a master's, and I did that in uh, business information management, which is really just a fancy way of saying, you know, sort of technology management with business. like. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic. It was exactly what I wanted to do. It was very much within sort of my focus area. Um, and from there I went on to, um, Salesforce in, in Ireland. And that was, yeah, that was an experience in itself. Certainly, um, I hadn't expected to move there, but it was, it was a fantastic thing to do. And, um, yeah, all, all kind of, I guess we'll, we'll go from there. That's where our story starts and not, and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just a question that I always get is why sales? So when I left financial services, I moved into sales, a lot of people think of sales as a call center or a door-to-door salesman or a car salesman. Again, absolutely nothing wrong with any of those things if that's what you want to do. But people were like, you study finance and you're going into sales. I don't understand. To anyone else out there who doesn't understand, what brought you to sales? And I suppose, what did you learn in the first couple of months of sales that you didn't think about sales? I, that's a great question, actually, Jess, because and I think you highlight there the fact that sales can be a really interesting one where and, I, and that is actually something I loved about it when I was in it, uh, which maybe I hadn't expected. You know, we have people from very different backgrounds all doing a very similar job. And that means 
you all come with a very, I think, a different approach um, to that job. Um, the kind of conversations you have, your expertise, all of that is, is obviously influential. But I, I think it's a testament to what sales is. I mean, sales is really in everything. Whether your job title you know, is, is specific to that business development or AE, what be it, um, you know, I, I can say from my own experience since uh, leaving an official sales role, it's, it's in everything you do. And I think I, I believe that before, um, before going into a role like that, uh, full disclosure, my father is also in sales in, in SaaS, you know, software sales. So, you know, you could say I was exposed to it early on and, um, it certainly helped me to get a good idea of, of what it was and what it entailed. Um, but yeah, I think what really allured me was sort of, you know, the text space specifically, that's where I wanted to be in sales. And that's obviously important. You know, what are you selling whenever you, whenever you think you want to do that? Um, but then just the, the sort of um, the dynamic nature of the role and the different types of people that are in that. And that I would say, you know, the skills you learn there, they're applicable in anything else you'll ever do. That's a great answer, Matt. And as well, I completely agree with the different backgrounds. Like I've met some of my favorite people, including yourself, Matt, since joining the sales world. And I think the international exposure, the different cultures, and also just the challenge and getting to know yourself. Because in a sales role, as you said, you're kind of your own boss. And I'm sure that autonomy as well attracted you to the role. And when you have to get up every day, go into work, and you plan out your whole day. And at the end of the month, you're your own business. Have you hit target? Are you getting paid? All of those factors really do impact you personally as well. And you have to figure out, are you capable of that? And also, is it worth all that work? Because you know yourself, a good sales day is the best day ever. And the worst is, oh my God, I need to go home and sit in a dark room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't say it better, to be honest. And I think, um, yeah, I think that continues regardless. Um, it's definitely, I think sales is a tough role. Um, that's something I, I think should also be said about it. Anyone in sales in, in any way, shape or form will know that. Um, certainly, I, you know, I, I'd also break sales down. It's just kind of like you have sales like, like we have, you know, yourself at the moment in Salesforce. It's, I think, quite a structured, it's set up specific to the process within Salesforce. But it can also go beyond that, you know. So what I, why, why I say that is, you know, in that form within a sort of company environment, you've got your quota, you've got a number that you need to hit, you know, because you'll get paid based on that, but obviously for, you know, the, the company and, and other reasons. But then you also have sales as, as I've kind of experienced it now coming out where you're like, it's a matter of livelihood. It's a matter of success of your company. Um, and so, you know, regardless of what the goal is, what kind of, you know, quota or, or, or sort of thing hanging over your head, um, sales is very intense and you learn a huge amount through it because of that. I think you are really forced to get creative, to learn from the people around you. And, and that comes ties back directly to what we were just saying, you know, you are usually then um, surrounded by people that are coming from really different backgrounds uh, who can bring something totally different. And I think an important thing, whether you're in sales or not, you know, of course this can apply elsewhere, but certainly in sales, don't miss that opportunity. You know, I was, I loved that at, at Salesforce, the types of people that we were surrounded by, the, you know, really smart people, really on top of their game. Uh, but yeah, in, in really different ways. I think, you know, I learned a lot from you as well. You had quite a unique background, um, I think coming into the, the SDR role. Uh, we're going to throw those acronyms around again, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but, I'll put in the description what those acronyms are. Yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> uh, but basically, yeah, I think you had that, but 
thing I actually, which I looked like just to highlight it, I thought it was really interesting in Salesforce. There's a number of people that come from uh, more sort of sports backgrounds, um, you know, whether it's football or, or something like that. Even when, you know, you go to the US for boot camp and, and one of the guys there was actually in the NFL and he was then working at Salesforce. Um, and they, I was amazed what I learned from um, some of these, some of these people, really phenomenal sort of drive this, this sense of competition, but also camaraderie and teamwork. There's a lot of that in sales. And I think um, sort of figuring that out and getting a feel for it is really important to, to your success. And again, I'll say, you know, we talk a lot about our experience in Salesforce, but it's really in, in or outside of that. If, you know, if someone listening to this, like me, you know, trying to start a business or, uh, already, you know, running a, a successful business, I, I think that remains the same. You know, it's a, it's a very dynamic thing and, and you need to constantly sort of adapt and learn from the, the, the people and the things around you. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I'm not on mute. That's good. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. I always get the fear of on mute. Um, but no, great answer, Matt. And as well, I suppose that brings us into your new venture. So you left Salesforce in January when the world appeared safe. We all thought, you know, it's going to be another great year. We're all planning our summer holidays. I applied to book to South Africa um, in May. I was like, yay, amazing, all these plans. And then boom, the news hits. It's March. And you're just about to embark on your new venture. So if you could tell us a little bit about how that felt and also maybe any obstacles you overcame to just go for it. Absolutely. Um... I mean, this is going to be, yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts in, in this process, I suppose. So I'll do my best to break it down and, and stop me if there's anything I miss or, or you, you know, I don't touch on too much. But um, I think the easiest way is to start at the beginning with, with my kind of journey at Salesforce and, you know, then what, what came, why I took that leap in the end. Um, I think the first thing to understand is that I loved Salesforce. I had a really, really good time there. Um, I think you'll know, you know, anyone that knew me while I was there, I... I was someone who loved that sales process, the sort of intensity of it. It was fast. It's a fast paced company. Um, and you know, the people around you again, I'd say I love, like that's a big thing at companies like Salesforce is the people that you're surrounded by. It's, it's just, it's a great environment. Um, the, the point where I left was an interesting one because I, I basically moved into a new role, which obviously, you know, that's what you're, I think in a sales role, you're constantly working your way towards that next uh, step, next promotion, what be it. Um, and so I made it into this role, uh, having had my eyes on it for a long time. And honestly, it just didn't turn out to be what I expected. Um, I felt a little bit that it wasn't what, you know, was discussed prior to, to moving into it, let's say. But that can happen. And I think you also need to accept that being in large companies. Uh, you are not the center of, of the world in those places. And, and uh, you're kind of at, um, at, at the mercy of management and, and, and what be it. Also the world around you, right? So... Anyway, I ended up in this role. It wasn't what I expected for many re different reasons. Uh, and that's okay. The great thing about that was it really forced me, considering I was someone that just was convinced, I love this, I'm in the right place. This is exactly the kind of company I wanted to work in. Um, I didn't really stop to look at everything that much. I was just like, great, I'm here. Uh, but that role really forced me to, to kind of go, okay, is this where I want to be? You know, in terms of the company and industry, uh, I was confident actually, yeah, that was, but the role itself, I saw myself as a salesperson, but started to then realize there was actually more missing because, you know, I was just sitting around waiting, but then when it came, I was like, I'm not that excited, honestly, for the job itself. And I'm not sure how excited I really am for working towards that next, you know, the five-year plan that I had in mind. Um, and so it was, it was a few of those things. And also talking to sort of people around me, family, friends that have done similar things, 
you know, you really, I think you have to leverage your network. You have to recognize you're not going to have always the most experience. Um, and it's really helpful to look at people that might already have that experience to just sort of, uh, I mean, even what we're trying to do in this podcast, I suppose what you do in the series is kind of just getting perspectives from people that have, have, walked some of those steps at least and, and just get a feel for that so anyway I did that and um, yeah it was a difficult one because as I say I was rooted I was happy I felt like I was in the right place and then suddenly you look at it and go actually no this isn't I can't see myself walking this path for the next five plus years you know and um, it was a bit that's where it was a little bit crazy because I probably like a safer person would have stayed in the role figured it out you know, work out, okay, let's, let's craft a new sort of plan. Um, but I just, I think because of everything else going on, I also, I had planned to be in Dublin for only a couple of years. That time had sort of come and, and for this role, I said I would stay longer. Um, so there was that, there was, you know, a, a lot of things, moving parts as I say, and all of it sort of just came together. And I was like, nah, it's time. I'm just gonna jump ship crazy as it might be. Uh, hope I can land on my feet, you know, hope I've given myself a, a good foundation to do that, uh, which I think, Funnily, a friend of mine was asking me about this just the other day and he was like, you know, it's a fair question. You know, how, how do you manage it with, you know, money with, uh, have you got savings, this sort of thing. And, and so I would say, you try and get, gift your future self that opportunity. I was very grateful that I've always been, you know, not ridiculously frugal. I think, you know, you know anyone knows I, I go out, I have a good time, but I definitely try to save more than I spend. And you know, I can thank my parents hugely for that. They really drilled that into, you know, me and my, my siblings at a young age. But um, that helps a lot when you realize you've got uh, some of that stability to at least keep yourself going for, you know, six months or something. In case you did, man, even if it's not pursuing a company, it might be to take a break, go travel. I mean, loads of people do that. And it's so worthwhile. You know, it's just another great life experience. Uh, yeah, anyway. That's but a great point. Absolutely. The fact that two points there, actually, that I loved was take a second and just if you're on a conveyor belt you don't have to stay on that conveyor belt if you decide i'm not happy right now i don't want to keep going you can take a sidestep for a minute take two weeks off pto have evaluation of your life am i happy you know do i need to stay on this path no you don't we we have so much choice we are in control of our mind and our body and we are so i suppose blessed with the fact that we have choice lots of people don't so really execute that. So number one, if you're not happy in your current state, take a week off PTO, take a weekend, just have a think. You don't need to quit your job just yet. And then secondly, I love as well, definitely save more than you spend. I never knew how valuable that was until now, two years later, you know, I'm in the position to buy a house. Two years ago, I wasn't. I was still going on holidays. I've been traveling. I've been going out. But it's just saying, you know what, how can I save those extra pennies here or there? Or I don't need to see the Zara order this month. I have plenty of clothes. Let's go into my wardrobe, see what I can wear today. And all of those steps are super helpful. And Matt, you're so right. Gifting your future self is one of the best things you can do for you. So I really want everyone to listen to those two points again, write them down and take a step back and just kind of evaluate where you are right now and where you want to be going for it. Yeah, I think, I think, that's, um, I think that's a fantastic exercise. I think really I would recommend doing that regularly, uh, certainly just stopping and taking a minute because I, you know, I wish I'd received that advice and indeed actually listened to it if I had. Um, it's really easy to skip over that, but man, life move, moves fast, especially in, in these kind of companies when, you know, in, in, in a city, um, 
it, it go, I know we're living in a different world right now, uh, but maybe that makes it even more so, you know, you can, you can really get comfortable and set on a path. And, and if that's the right path, you know, if, if you're happy, that's cool. Like, that's great. Uh, I think that's the point, but um, you should definitely stop and check it out. And, uh, you know, somewhat related, but also totally on its own, 100%. I, um, I talk about that a lot with people, uh, my brother and I, especially now, you know, of course, we're, with what we're doing, we really, I, we wouldn't be able to if, if, if that wasn't the case, I think. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, and as you say, if it's not that, it's 100%, you want to be able to buy a house in the future. You know, we as young people, actually, that's really, it, it, arguably more difficult than it has been for previous generations. And so it's all the more important that we learn to sort of save and stuff like that, um, save and invest, you know, use your money as a tool kind of thing. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's, uh, I suppose a bit of a bit of a side note, but an important one, but that is, that is pretty much the story of, yeah, why I jumped ship as it were from Salesforce and, and went to, to start uh, one or two other things, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So Matt, you shared it with me before, but please share again, the story of how you came up with the name. It's a, it's a great name. It's so spunky. It's short and it's kind of, it's, you want to click on the website, like what in the name of God is this in a good way? So if you could share with us your path to getting the name, yourself and your brother, how you sat down, I suppose the first steps before you ever even sold a t-shirt. Yeah, okay. Um, so, okay, coming up with the name is a good place to start, I suppose. We were actually, um, we were looking for, we were looking for a, a website or a name as well for another business. Um, now, I don't know, it'd be interesting to hear if other people have had this problem, but you know, you come up, you might come up with a name and then you want to get that name.com. Those domains are really expensive. And like, we live in the digital age at the end of the day, what's important is that you have a domain name. That's like simple to remember, blah, blah, blah. So we kind of took that approach. You know, we were trying to think about those two things together. Um, and that's sort of what happened. We were looking for a name and a domain for actually another business um, that we're working on. And we found, it was actually my dad that found uh, nerdjar. I believe it was nerdjar.com. And yeah, we just, we were like, he was like, that's a hilarious name. We must get that. And we said, yeah, it's totally us. You know, if we don't use it for this, I'm sure we'll use it for something else. Uh, and so that's where the name came from. Um, actually, nerdjar as an idea, as, as a sort of apparel, a sustainable apparel company didn't really come about until later. Um, where really the way it happened was we just, we were working on this other idea, but it's taking a lot longer. It's more, uh, we have to build that we want to build the tool ourselves instead of outsourcing it, you know, because that can be expensive, especially in the long term. Uh, and it's, that sounds crazy, you know, but we thought if we can do it ourselves, that's, that, that'll be a, a huge advantage. Um, anyway, so that was taking a while. And in the meantime, we just started, we started getting excited about other ideas that we were talking about this t-shirt thing came up again. And I say again, because we've talked about it a bunch of times over the years, um, really as a, you know, it's sort of a joke where we just, it would be a lot of fun. You know, we go say something and be like, that'd be hilarious on a t-shirt. I always thought what would be funny on a t-shirt is, um, Sato I am Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, and for any nerds out there like me, that's, that's the supposed founder of Bitcoin. Um, and nobody knows who that is. So I thought it would be a really funny kind of nerdy t-shirt. Um, but yeah, lots of these things came up and you know, this time we just went, man, we've talked about this a lot. Why don't we just do it? Like what is kind of holding us back? Um, and that's, I think that's a key question actually in, in the sort of startup process, let's say, um, especially for those of us that are, you know, if you're in a comfortable job or com just comfortable place in your life, um, you don't need the hassle of like a really like risky venture or something like that sort of flipping your life. 
Um, but it's a great question, you know? Um, anyway, and, and we kind of took that and we just went, let's do it. You know, there is literally no good reason why we haven't done this. Let's explore it. And, and if we have an obstacle that just is a showstopper, no worries. We've lost kind of, we've lost nothing by doing that. Um, but that never came. Yeah, we kind of proved it was a fantastic exercise in proving to ourselves, you know, just keep asking those questions, just keep pushing it, keep finding a way. And I mean, the way we talk about it is just roll with the punches. And I think that is such a startup necessity. There is no avoiding that. You can't believe how you'll start with one idea and anyone you speak to or anything you read, you're just going to have to keep sort of shifting and pivoting um, to, to make that work. And I think that for us is in, in a way, that's what we see Nerdjar as. I mean, that was a great opportunity for us to learn about each other as, as, as kind of co-founders. I mean, we're brothers. We obviously know each other pretty well. But, uh, you know, we, we definitely were both opinionated. Uh, we both like to go our own way. Um, and so this was a great chance to see, okay, how can we come together and make those compromises? Do we work really work, work well as a team? And can we bring something to market? Uh, even if it is, you know, a sustainable fashion brand, if you will, that, you know, as you and I have discussed before, no one would have expected, I think, us to do that. I certainly would never have put that on my radar. Uh, you know, we're much what Christopher's trained. He's about to finish his bachelor in aerospace engineering. Uh, and as, as you know me, I'm much more of the business sort of techie dude. So um, it was it was uh, it was interesting. And we're really proud of it now that it's, you know, it was successful, actually, that we managed it um, without, you know, a crazy amount of uh, investment. That was the key thing. We also wanted to test out you know how easy is it to start a company with sort of minimal investment we paid uh, the, the main investment we put in was registering the company actually um and from there in fact we're really excited we we will break uh, if if all goes to plan we will break even actually um this month which will be really exciting Fantastic. Um, which for us yeah that's a really we were really chuffed with that uh, i mean you know maybe it could have been faster but um it's just been a really fun journey to yeah, to go through the whole experience uh, because, in fact, maybe I should drill on that more. I mean, we, we are not fashion people. You know, I think the point to make here is that the business itself isn't as important as what you can learn from it, right? And that's not to say go out and just do something random uh, or that nerd jazz is not important to us. Like, it, you know, it was a lot of work and, and we're really proud of it. Um, but I think there's something to be, to be said there for going out and trying something. And I think you know, there's obviously a great time to talk about it with COVID. Everybody is, a lot of people that I speak to have done something new, you know, uh, and, and that might be, you know, starting a new good habit of, of reading a book a month, or um, it might be, yeah, it might, in your case, you know, you started the podcast, like we started a business, we've, you know, you, a bunch of your guests have great stories of things. So I think that's happening a lot, but look at those experiences, look what you might be able to learn from that because it'll be very applicable to other businesses that you that you do as well and that's something i'd say that we've learned from that as well that's another exactly. very long-winded answer no no i love it <laughs> i think it's great because people are going to listen to this and i remember you said to me recently you're like fuck it just start it and again you were allowed chris in this podcast i want everyone to be themselves but i think it's so true because as you said you've learned more than you ever could have imagined so why deny yourself growth? Why deny yourself as a human personal growth, new experiences? What I've learned this year as well, you know, our freedom, if you will, with being locked down can be taken away in parts. I mean, we still have freedom of speech. I'm so blessed to live in the Western world. 
I have so much freedom. However, when you're told to not leave your home, you need to be more creative. And also you need to realize what makes you happy. If you have to be stagnant physically for a while, what can you do emotionally or spiritually to be happier? And by you, Matt, starting a sustainable apparel company in a pandemic when there's very little money to be had and it's very difficult to get people on board to fall in love with your business to support you but you've done that lots of startups don't hit profit for years down the line and you're looking at breaking even this month profits next year that in itself is amazing so if anyone listening right now is unsure of what to do with 2021 it's december 21st today it's going live take out a notebook jot down your ideas the crazier the better Start telling people about them because if you are telling people, you're going to do it because you'll be held accountable. And I'm sure, Matt, being held accountable but also being adaptable were key for your success as well with Nerdjar. 100 percent 100 percent And indeed, for um, you know, even perhaps more so with some of the other businesses, as as you get more um as it's more technology and things like that, you need a lot more input from potentially end users, other stakeholders. Um, no, 100 percent I think um Definitely. That's, that's actually good advice. Get it. If, if you're comfortable, you know, and if it's something that you don't feel like you need to sort of protect for, from competitors, what be it, uh, get it out there. And, and even if it is, you know, talk about it with friends, hell, get people to sign an NDA if it makes you comfortable. But um, I think that's, that's a great point because uh, I was hesitant at the beginning, even with some of what we're working on now, you know, yourself, I can't go like crazy in depth on what we're doing. Um, and I, but what I did find is when, when I've talked to people about, anything including the the uh, including nerdja i mean that was a good one because people are very quick to give you their opinion you know like a t-shirt business why 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 are you doing that you know um but it's great because that that actually helps us a lot we had to justify that you know we had to give an answer to that and so we really had to think hard about yeah why are we doing this and what do we want to do with this and indeed uh, it didn't start as a sustainable company at all but we we were like yeah t-shirts will be a lot of fun except you know, the world doesn't need another random t-shirt company. So if we're going to do that, we really want to have a positive impact. You know, we, we want to give back to our environment. We want to make sure that our, we, we kind of feel that our customers, it's more of a community. Anyone that's buying from us is not someone that is just looking for like new clothes. Usually it's people that really do care, you know, um, they, they, they're happy that, you know, half of the profit we make on any of our stuff is going back to environmental organizations, working for reforestation, for ocean cleanup, et cetera. Um, but people asking those questions forced us to make those, implement those kind of things into the company, right? Uh, because you want to be able to answer that with a really clear, like, this is why, you know, we have, a, we make a positive impact or we're trying to educate people around fast fashion. We, that's a lot of it for us. Like, you know, we, we did use this as a sort of testing ground, let's say, and now we see it as, you know, we want people to buy our things. We want people to feel like they're part of a community, but we also want to educate people. Don't, don't buy from us. That's fine. But close your ASOS account, you know, do, do something like that. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I really would reiterate that. I'd say definitely reach out because the criticisms are on a criticism that definitely are more helpful by the way, um, than, than sort of some of the positive stuff, uh, take it with a pinch of salt, laugh about it and then do something, you know, I, the worst thing you can do is, is talk to people and not make use of that. It's all feedback. It's, that's exactly what it is. Um, that's great. so yeah. And actually speaking of that, another good way to be more conscious 
you know, going down a bit more that we have a zero waste guest coming on the new year talks about zero waste. It's great and all about sustainability. But on that trend, (laughs) on that trend, um, even the first thing you can do is go onto your emails and unsubscribe to all of these brands that are, you know, fast fashion or are taking your paycheck every month. So you have two wins. You're being more sustainable and you're saving more money. So you're gifting your future self and also you're protecting the planet a bit better. And Matt, I remember before you told me about Nerdjar. So two things I really want to touch on because I, I love the idea. The first is the recyclable clothing element that you might be bringing in the future. And then secondly, the B2B element, especially with the Erasmus College as well. So if you could tell us a bit more about that, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on the first piece, it's something we, I mean, going back to, you know, we're constantly sort of adapting and changing. Um, and actually there was something um, I must credit to Christopher, my brother for, um, you know, maybe on the engineering side, I don't know, but, but he made a great point. He said, you know, with all we're doing, it's, it's great, but we're still contributing to the problem at the end of the day, really, you know, uh, what would be great though, you know, we, we need to basically make this a full circle. We've done our best to, to do that. And we do ask for help obviously from our um, customers and, you know, let's say members of the community to do their part as well. Don't throw your clothes out, donate them, recycle them, upcycle them. There's so much you can do. But uh, yeah, we said it's only it's partly it's, it's businesses um, place in the market to try and find solutions as well. So yeah, we've talked about maybe now I, I want to be careful not to make any promises. We have to just figure out if it works and, and, and sort of the logistics of it, but we're hoping in the new year to try and implement some kind of a policy where yeah, if you buy something from us and later you basically can send it back instead of throwing it out or what, um, and then we can do something with that. What, you know, as I mentioned, recycle, upcycle, etc. Um, and we'll give you some credit for that. Obviously, if you want to buy something else instead, you know, I think that's a fair trade. What we want to achieve with that, now we need to do the research, you know, is that actually going to help? Uh, is it going to achieve what we want? But what we hope to achieve is obviously just to further reduce the waste and, and create more of that, that full circle in, in the system. Because um, maybe at the beginning, it wasn't really expected. Um, obviously, we, we sort of just focused on getting the website up and, and yeah, the B2C side. Um, but then, you know, my background is more in B2B from Salesforce. So there was, there's some comfort in that process. It makes sense. Um, yeah, pretty quickly we, we thought, you know, if there's an opportunity, let's do it. Um, and through, so the first one that we're really excited about, we're, we're sort of closing off now is with ECE, the, uh, Erasmus center for entrepreneurship. Um, and they're, they're partnered with my old university, uh, in, in Rotterdam. They're a really great organization. They work with a bunch of different startups. They, they, they kind of hold a bunch, host a bunch of programs. Uh, and so typically, uh, sort of co-founders, it'll be pairs of two will go through their programs and build out their companies. Really, um, they build out, they have a network of something like 20,000 startups. Um, they work with a bunch of investors, et cetera. You know, that thing very, that we've just gone through that we're still going through that we're really involved in. So it's, uh, and it's of course my old university. So it's very close to our hearts. Uh, we're really excited about that. And, you know, I think it's a great thing to show for other businesses as well that, you don't have to go with the status quo. Like that's been what's really surprising for us. Like when we, we're now running this business, we kind of have an idea of what the, the costs are, let's say behind the, the hidden costs as it were. They're not that crazy. Like, especially in fast fashion, I think it can be outrageous what they charge uh, for a couple of custom t-shirts. 
Um, and that's what I think ECE found with us. You know, we've been, it's obviously very much more personalized process. You know, I'm talking directly with them. Um, I know the, the, the organization intimately, but you know, what, what they've said is important to them is to speak their values in all that they do. They, they say they care for the environment. And so they've gone with a, a, a partner for their gear that, that shares those values, you know, even our 50% of profits donated policy applies equally to, to our B2B orders as well. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's just, I think, an exciting example of, of that coming from some businesses. And also I would then say, you know, to any other businesses, feel free to reach out to me if it is, you know, particularly small businesses. I, you know, we're really excited about working with them on the likes of yourself. Um, but that's where with ECE, sorry to drag, if I can drag it on slightly No, no, more, please do, please do. It's an interesting one. We, we see it as a great opportunity to work then directly with some startups. And actually that's where we think we have a great niche because, you know, we've experienced it again ourselves in the past and now, and I think anyone with a sort of small business or even just a, you know, side hustle, side hobby or something like that, uh, you might want to get custom gear for yourself, for your small team, what be it. And, and usually you'd struggle with minimum order quantities and then quality. I think those are the two big things that I think about. And we just went, well, we don't need to do that. I don't really see why that doesn't, we're small, we're kind of flexible. The way our business is set up is, you know, we can, we can roll with the punches <laughs> to bring that back in. Um, and so we said, that's a great, let's, let's work directly with smaller businesses and startups. And we're hoping to do that with ECE, but you know, sitting here today on the podcast, let me say that to anyone else. I mean, if you've been on the podcast or if it's anyone listening, um, yeah, we can do relative, like affordable jumpers, you know, but uh, jumpers, t-shirts, uh, hoodies, but um, they're great quality. Uh, we can do whatever designs you want front and back and uh, they'll last. I think that's more the point, you know, all of this stuff, whether it's for yourself and you just want the memory of this, this thing that you did, that you built, you know, you, there's some pride in that and you want to throw the hoodie on, at least I do. Um, whether it's that or, or it's a marketing thing, that's another thing we've talked about with EC where it's like, you know, if you're, you want your members or you want your, you know, customers, whatever, to, to wear this gear, don't you want them to be comfortable, to enjoy it? They're going to they're gonna actually wear it actively elsewhere, right? So more people are going to see it and, they'll, and it'll last longer. They'll wear it for longer. Like, to me, that's the greatest marketing you could have, right? Um, so those are the things I would think about. And yeah, if you're interested, just very casual, reach out to me. But that's, that's what we're pursuing now for next year, yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I can vouch because this t-shirt I'm wearing right now is so buttery soft. It actually makes you feel good. And I'm very much, I mean, some people will happily go on other fast fashion brands. Um, you always see them on Instagram with influencers and spend 150 euro on t-shirts to wear at home, like loungewear. Invest in a good quality hoodie that you can wear multiple times. It'll stand the test of time. And also you want to be comfortable while you're working from home. And I can promise you, these are so buttery soft. I love them. So congratulations, Matt, amazing product. You should be so proud of it. Um, so I suppose moving on to how do you manage your day? Because I get questions as well from people feeding back to me. Oh, I listened to this podcast. How do they manage their day? As an entrepreneur, how do you manage your week, your finances? Do you outsource your accounting? So all of these little questions that nobody knows about, even you know, registering your company, the website domain, um, a web designer. And I know you're techie, I know Christopher is an engineer, so you're blessed in that. You both have a lot of great qualities and skill sets to bring. But uh, to another person about to embark on their venture, how would you tell them to start? Um, get creative, get like super, super creative. Like you... 
I think a great thing when you try and start a business or something yourself is you, you learn how to do a lot with very little. And that's really, that's something that we're trying to emphasize. It's let's say a thread through all of, uh, you know, our, our businesses and what we're trying to do. Uh, because obviously the more you can do that, the further you can get, uh, everything costs money, but actually we live in an information economy. And if you, if you throw in the right search terms, you will probably find what you need. I found a free version of Photoshop, which is fantastic. Um, that's what we've done half our designs in. Uh, it's called Inkscape. Highly recommend. Um, some people might know it or not. Uh, what else? A lot of photos. There's a lot of websites now that have, uh, like, free stock photos. So I always knew of iStock photo, but they charge you for most of their stuff. Uh, but actually I am trying to think of a name now. I can't remember it. I can try and send it over, but th there's a lot. Like if you look online, I was amazed. You can find, you just got to do some digging and there's tons of really like professional photographers who I guess just want to share their stuff with the world. So it's totally free to use. You can edit it. Uh, we've made, I, we have like an intro video that we made and that's totally with, with sort of free available videos as well. Um, so I think it's really important to get creative and be frugal. Do not pay for anything until you are absolutely sure that you have to. I think, so we, we, our business is based on Shopify. If anyone's doing e-commerce, I can highly, highly recommend Shopify. I was really, I mean, I read about it sort of interested in the tech, but doing it myself, I was really impressed at their sort of onboarding process. They're still like recommending useful tips, other tools to us that might be useful based on what we do and our customers and things like that. Um, and, and so we pay for that, but that's totally, I think the ROI on that is, is clear. I mean, that's basically the basis for our entire business. So <laughs> there is that. But um, other than that, you shouldn't have to pay for too much. That's one thing. Uh, in terms of the process, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think it will depend on the country in which you register, right? We're a Beve, so we're registered in the Netherlands. Uh, and we, we actually took an interesting one because, so we, we started the company during lockdown. Typically, at least, well, I think most places, but in Holland, certainly you would, you would have to go in person. So you'd write up like your business plan and then go up in person to the uh, camera from Kolpandel, which is basically uh, the, um, yeah, the chamber of commerce. And then you register your business in person. But we weren't able to do that. In fact, we were in France at the time. Um, and so we were like, yeah, we want to start this business. And we want to start selling ASAP, but, but how do we do that? And we found a service um, that exists in Holland, which basically you can do it all online. Uh, they, they handle most of it for you. You have to upload the necessary documents and things, but then they basically do it for, on your behalf with the KVK for like a reasonable additional fee. Uh, and so that's actually how we did it. Uh, partly because of like, you know, we just wanted to get it done kind of quickly without with the least possible fuss. Uh, and partly because of, yeah, we literally couldn't go in. Otherwise, we would have had to wait six months or something until we could go in person. Um, but that was kind of an interesting journey as well. Like, because I didn't know, you know, you know, you can register a company. But yeah, how do you go about, about doing that? Um, that is our process. But I think the best advice I could give is, yeah, do the research, check the government websites. They're usually all pretty up to date now, I think, certainly within the EU. Um, and talk to people around you again, like really leverage your network. I have to say my, my father, especially was a really good help, really big help. He's done a bit of this in the past. Uh, so he was really clued in on kind of, you know, this is the best way. And, and indeed think about what type of business, by the way, you want to register as, because we had a lot of debates at the beginning, actually, we, we weren't clearly, <laughs> we give away half our money. We're not really doing this for the money. Um, we, our, our idea, we actually wanted to be nonprofit at the beginning. We thought we might try that. 
but it's it was a little bit complicated and also we thought you know we can't really invest the time if we're just giving everything away because then we're also trying to do other things etc so that was a whole discussion topic as well and you need to do your research around that um is that is that helpful on yeah that? super <laughs> yeah. helpful super helpful um matt i suppose another thing is i remember back in salesforce we were both in at 7 30 getting the fancy breakfast, getting the coffee, going sitting down. I still have the world tour coffee cup. I can't believe I noticed it. I, I lost mine. Yeah, it's so sad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I suppose now your day as an entrepreneur, you are in charge of yourself. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs to save them time, work smarter, not harder and longer, and also not feeling guilty about having your own free personal time as well, instead of just always focusing on the business? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's really important. I, I'm a firm believer that like leaving in my, I can say from my own experience, leaving Salesforce was quite, it was very scary. Uh, like you're in a great, I was in a great position. I felt exactly where I wanted to be, you know, on track for my five-year plan as, as it were. Um, and then suddenly I left and like, you just, you're on your own. It's all up to you. You know, it, it can be definitely a scary thing. And you know, I think with all of that, with the risk, with, you know, you're, you're already handling a lot of pressure, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of other doubts, you know, what be it, you as an entrepreneur deserve like your own schedule, certainly, but definitely time off as well. And I say that also because, uh, and, and it's, it's definitely happened to me, I, my brothers constantly, we're talking about this, but it's like, I feel like I'm almost punishing myself. You're like, I need to kind of get, I'm constantly trying to get back, you know, get ahead again you know, you don't want to almost fall behind. You're watching everyone else in kind of predefined roles and processes in existing companies. And you're basically just not on a track like that. And you have to, you're laying the track in front of you as you move ahead, put it like that, you know? And so I think um, you need to be really sort of headstrong, uh, which is something I'm constantly dealing with ever since leaving. Honestly, I think every day you're, you're like doubting yourself and you're like, maybe it's time to apply for another job, you know? But, um, but that makes it all the more important to take that time off and, and to find a schedule that works for you. So in my case, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a bit all over the place, but there is, there is let's say, method to the madness. Um, I, I will spend, it's changing a little bit now. Previously, like in the early days of Nerja, um, we were spending most of our time obviously on that. Once it was up and running, it quickly became maybe a half day on Nerja and a half day on other things because so next to Nerja, we, as I kind of touched on, we're trying to build, we're trying to build a couple of mobile apps. Uh, we have longer term goals of what we want to do as well. So let's say we have a couple of processes going that are at very different stages from one another, right? So what happened then is Nerja was done and now kind of moved to focus on the next one, which is to basically learn how to develop and code. Uh, and do, and I, I was doing a great computer science course, CS50. I would recommend that to anyone else that's interested in kind of computer science. Uh, but we basically did that alongside. So you're kind of splitting half days. Um, now I'm a lot more focused on that. I think I've, I basically have completed the courses that I wanted to do to learn. Um, I'm still very much learning as I go, but you've got to, like my head is, in, I think I said this just before we started, like your head has to be really in the code and what you're doing. Otherwise you just lose track. There's too many things going on. Uh, and indeed, you know, as I kind of touched on, Nerja is not, we don't want to make really money with it. That's not the goal. We want to have an impact. We wanted to, you know, prove some things to ourselves and we wanted to build a bit of a community. And we're really happy about where it is. The future is going to be interesting for it. But for now, it's running on its own. And, and our focus is really on, on building these apps that 
uh, we that's more the focus of a, let's say a business and what we're looking to monetize in in the new year um but yeah manage your day look at your calendar i can't say that every day looks the same all i could say is try, definitely set goals for yourself on a daily a weekly a monthly basis and indeed those those longer term milestones of you know we've discussed when are we trying to make money you know this is all good it's all great learning and you can apply that to other businesses but that you know the way the world works is you need money and we're doing fine you know but you know no jazz breaking even which is really exciting but yeah we're not that's not going to sustain us so we've had we've agreed as sort of together as founders and for the business what's our timeline you know right now we're in a development phase and it's a pretty aggressive development phase but you know we're saying sort of by mid next year uh we definitely sorry by q1 we want to have something coming out obviously then when are we going to try and break even you're talking about pricing straight like all of this has become really important so there needs to be planning but also take it easy like i love as this will be my final point i promise but i love as an if i could say entrepreneur but you know yes, having absolutely. just my own time it's you're so flexible i definitely miss that uh, in in a sort of traditional work environment and i know that doesn't really exist anymore because of covid but what i really like is that i don't feel guilty like if i want to even if i want to take today off if i want to just not do it i know what i've got to do and it is my, it's up to me like i could go you know what wednesday hump day i hate it i'm not going to work wednesdays saturday or even sunday like because i think as an entrepreneur weekends and weekdays really blend into one um but then it's an interesting one like i don't know would you i, I would say since covid everyone is experiencing that a little bit actually so it's really changed i mean how have you found it actually since uh, since having to work and indeed in a, in a new difficult role having to work from home yeah no absolutely um at the start of in march being honest with you matt i hated weekends because weekends i had no structure and i'm the kind of person who thrives on structure um i love chaos and structure like i love i do love sales because i love at the start of the month you're back at zero and it's a whole new adrenaline rush you're going you're going again that yeah, dashboard. Says, look, what type of a salesperson you are is how you see that moment <laughs> you either love it or you hate it <laughs> exactly oh like some people are exhausted i get new energy and when you start to what i did learn as well this year matt is i learned a lot about myself that i didn't know before because when you're so busy going to and from work surrounded by people in work you're never alone and you never have time to actually look inward and discover yourself as well i know that might sound very deep for a monday morning but i think you're constantly surrounded by people's opinions people's chatter noise 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 that one goes a bit quiet and you can say why do i do what i do what parts of the month am i happiest and really do a bit of a, an evaluation on yourself and from coronavirus i really do understand i love structure so Monday to Friday, I'm at my happiest. Weekends now, because I'm happier during the week, I've adapted to the weekends. I still have a bit of structure, but I can structure my downtime as psychotic as that sounds. <laughs> I think like it makes you feel good when you have, well, me anyway, when I have a certain plan yeah. for the week or goals. And definitely with my new role, I love the autonomy and I love that I can control my day. I can not take lunch at 12 or 1. I can take lunch at 9 a.m. and record a podcast if I want. Or I can take my dog for a longer walk because I'm going to work until 6 or 7 because my meetings are running later. And having that autonomy over your life, but also knowing that you need to knuckle down because you also have a business to run and work because you need to get paid because you have a mortgage or you have a car loan or you have this or that is so important. So 
Matt, you're so right. Um, looking at the past nine months or nearly nine months, it's been such a whirlwind, but I love the freedom, even though to contradict myself earlier, I said we didn't have as much freedom, but I actually feel like I have more freedom because I have more control of my day. I know more about myself. I know what makes me tick. I know what makes me upset. And when you start to become more aware of you as a person, I think that's when you truly have proper freedom and you can follow the path that makes you truly happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, that is, you know, often that's said and brushed over, but that is hard. Like, you know, I also not to get too deep on a Monday morning, <laughs> um, but like to know yourself, I always, I mean, yeah, you know, I've always been really comfortable with myself. I think I'm really, you know, loud and sort of, um, you know, I can have a good time. I think social is, is what I would like to call it. But um, yeah, I was, you know, going back to what I said, I was convinced I was in the right place. I was, um, but it, it took that, this, whatever it was, this, this crunch moment where a lot kind of just culminated into, into that one time in March. Um, that I, I, I realized I didn't actually, wasn't being as honest with myself maybe as, as I thought I was. I think, um, you know, I think it's also easy, for, for me at least, that's how I felt. I was in high school, had my head screwed on. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do the IB. I'm gonna try and get a good grade, go to a good university and then go get a good job, you know? Like, um, and I really had this attitude of like, I'll move wherever I need to move. Like I'll be international and you know, it's gonna be great, great, great. But that moment comes and you're like, yeah, shit, like Ireland was really interesting. I mean, the, on that point, I, I never expected to move to Ireland. It was totally, un I applied for a job in Amsterdam from Sing. No, no, I was still in Holland. Then I was back in Singapore. Then they were like, we like you, but we think you'd be better for sales. And I was like, yeah, cool. But like, where's that? Oh yeah, Ireland. So then I, yeah, next minute I'm applying for this job in Ireland and I ended up there. It was crazy. And I was like, I was down for that. That was totally my plan for, for my career turned out to be like, it was a really interesting, it was a great two years, but also I realized like a lot of my friends were in Holland or, or elsewhere in the UK. Um, I had gone there like totally on, on my own, which was, as I say, like I learned a lot from that, but I also learned that, yeah, sometimes it's nice. Like when you're familiar with a place, you know, I'm, I'm used to just jumping around and moving, but I kind of got that through university in Holland. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I miss that. I want to, anyway, that's, a, those are my personal findings, but yeah, like you may think you know what you want and yourself and, but your five-year plan or your 10-year plan would be it. Carefully look at that. Like, when did you come up with that plan? What year are you in? Is it time to like reassess? It changes all the time. Like, you know, every, I think anybody's going to obviously know that listening to this, but yeah, not to bang on, but take a minute, seriously, like go, go grab a coffee on a Sunday on your own in a public place. Nobody likes to do that shit, but it's a great way to really look at yourself. Like, cause everyone else is looking at you. <laughs> uh, but really, and then sit alone and just think like, fuck, like, what do I want to do next year? COVID, if 2020 didn't prove to you that a load of crazy shit can happen unexpectedly in one year, like your whole life can get turned around in that short space of time, like, yeah, I don't know what you've been, you've been living under a rock, but I think that is the lesson of 2020. Um, my heart goes out to like anyone affected by COVID and everything. I, I want to say that it's, I mean, we are living through, this is the war of our generation. Uh, I think we need to step up to the plate for that. But I think it's, it's also, you know, let's say philosophically speaking, it's, it is that wake up call, I think for a lot of us, uh, just to 
yeah, check yourself. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And if yeah, you don't, <laughs> look at yourself and be honest with yourself. The least you can do is be honest with yourself. And even if it scares a few people, I was listening to a great podcast yesterday, Matt, and this man who's a billionaire, he said that when his dad died, that's when he started living. And he said that as horrible as that sounds, he always felt like he had to do certain things or be a certain person because to be his dad to be proud of him. But when his dad died, he started doing things differently. And he regrets not doing these things sooner because he realizes his dad just wanted him to be happy. His dad had no expectations other than to be happy. So I think stop thinking and caring about your perception or what people perceive you to be and just start being honest with yourself and the sooner you can do that I promise you the freedom you'll experience even with this podcast I was petrified I was like everyone's gonna think who does she think she is nobody cares and you know what I've gotten amazing listeners and amazing feedback and if even one person's life changes after listening to this today my job's done I'm chuffed absolutely, absolutely. you have to have in your mind what is your goal for doing this? I think if that's clear, yeah, like you, it doesn't really matter as you stop caring, right? Like you, I think when it becomes about your goals, your intentions, and if, I mean, honestly, if that's clear in your head, what are you worried about? You're not, I mean, unless your goal is to do it for someone else's benefit, like you shouldn't really care what anyone else thinks, I, I reckon. Um, but yeah, I think that also goes to say definitely the, the, the opinions of others. I mean, I don't want to be too crude, but we have that phrase in our family. We use it a lot. We're like, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Like, I mean, just don't put that much, don't take it to heart. You know, don't be so concerned about everybody. I definitely, and I say this honestly, like that's something I still struggle with. I think it's, it's human nature to just constantly be worried about what everyone thinks of you. Um, but I also know I'm not doing this for anyone else. I really don't care. And I have also proved to myself the amount that I have learned and that, I've achieved like not what I would post on LinkedIn or like, you know, whatever, but for myself, I said clear, I started last year going, I really want to learn to code. I, I, I don't know. I've always had this weird kind of fascination with it, despite being in really more of a business environment. Um, but I was like, no, that's what, you know, I've got the time. And I think that'll be a really useful kind of marketable skill. Uh, given I'm also in this situation, like no job, what can I do to make money? Or maybe I could do some freelance software debt, for example. Um, so I set that goal and here we are now, my brother and I keep laughing. We're like in March, we talked about a business learning to develop it ourselves because we didn't want to outsource it, lose control. Uh, and, and hopefully we go live in sort of this time next year. We're on track to do that. It's that's super cool. We're really excited. Like, again, it's totally personal. This was our timeline. It was our milestones, but to achieve those, like you just stop caring. I mean, all the people that were like, why the fuck did you make a t-shirt company? What is, what is that? What's that about? You know, um, all the people that are like, also, you know, what are you building? Can you build? Like, what is that useful? And uh, do you not already have that? All these, um, those questions that I said were really important. Like, don't, don't throw them away, but also like, don't really care about it. Like I, that's the way I at least take it is any criticism. I want to roll it into my like feedback mechanism and nowhere else that is like compartmentalize that shit. It, you cannot see it as anything else, but useful. Even if someone's being an asshole, because that is in fact, if they're being an asshole, that is their honest opinion about your, your product or whatever you're doing. So look, either they're irrelevant. They're not part of your target market. That's also totally fair or else they are. And I've seen, I've, you know, being part of, um, market research groups or, or, or whatever you call it, 
where I've given feedback and the person has just justified why it's like that to me or something. And I, I'm like, you're, I'm not invested. I don't care. Like really it's, you've got to see it as feedback. You've got to take that and use it to improve yourself, your product, uh, what be it. So yeah, again, a long winded answer to just fuck it. And absolutely don't, don't care that much. Like don't be so invested, just invest in yourself and what you're doing. <laughs> I love it, Matt. I love those words. So much wise words. So the theme of today's podcast is that first step to being a serial entrepreneur. And you were showing that match with all your new ventures, the past nine months, the next nine months, the next two years. And really, I mean, taking the time, evaluate and keep moving, keep progressing. We ourselves are like projects. You know, we need to check in on our milestones, check in on our project plans, what's next and oh, where we are. And if we're, if we're sustainable, you know, whether yeah, it's a t-shirt absolutely. brand or ourselves. So Matt, what I suppose to end the podcast, because I've taken so much of your time. So thank you so much again. What I suppose three bits of advice would you give your 18 year old self looking back now? And maybe they're a bit lost. What would you kind of go back and say, look, in, in eight years time, you're going to be a serial entrepreneur. You don't even know it yet, but you might be a bit petrified. What would you the say serial to that entrepreneur, It makes me so nervous. It's like a really high bar that I have to, <laughs> have to reach up to, you know? I'm holding you accountable now. Let me get back to you when we, uh, when we have major success. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Um, what would I have said to myself? I think... I mean, looking back, I think my, what I feel like my mistake was, uh, you know, with hindsight bias is, is kind of um, just sticking so clearly to this path that I, that I forged in, what was I, I must have been 18, you know, I must have been like in my sort of, as I started IB, so my second to last year of high school, or maybe even before, that was kind of just always the plan. I don't remember when that wasn't the plan. And that is what I think back and that's crazy, right? So yeah, make a plan, but don't you know, don't ruthlessly stick to that plan. You need to reassess along the way. Um, what we just said, like really don't get so caught up in, uh, in other people's opinions, but it's not just about like the so-called haters or whatever. Like it's also, as you said, I think that's a great point. Potentially it's, you know, your parents and family, it's friends, uh, you know, peers. Um, there's, yeah, geez, there's a lot of things to worry about. So just don't like really concern yourself you're, especially as an entrepreneur, like if it is people listening that are trying to do something themselves, your mind is going to be filled with a lot. Like there's always a lot of things to worry about. So focus on those things. Don't, and I'm, I wish I could take this advice as well. I'm doing my best, but like, don't add to that with more concern and unnecessary, unhelpful worry. Um, as a final point to my 18 year old self, man, have fun with it. Like, I maybe just took the whole thing way too seriously. I think um, I talked about about that before. Like I'm not going to go into some YouTube video of like life is a simulate simulated game or something. But I do think about it a lot like that. Where you know, definitely the first I would say like 20 something years of your life, 21 years of your life, let's say, is like this standard process that pretty much everyone's like. We're pr obviously in a sort of coming from a privileged perspective, but pretty much everyone's going through, you're going through this high school, aiming towards tertiary education of, of some kind, and then going into like, you know, quote unquote, successful job and career. Um, that's great. That's all part of it. You have to do that. You have to be, you know, but fuck, have, have some fun along the way. I definitely took that to, that became all important and all encompassing. Uh, and it consumed me by the, I think without realizing it, 
I, yeah, just wasn't able to enjoy myself as much. And uh, I'm glad to have found that again. You know, it took this big jump out and doing something totally going on a different path. But uh, I'm glad to have that again. I would say to, yeah, definitely to my old self, but to everyone else, just uh, stop and smell the roses, man. Have a, have a good time. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. That's so good. And I completely agree with you. Have fun when you think you have responsibilities, but you definitely don't. <laughs> you don't have responsibilities at 18. Enjoy yourself. Go yeah. wild. I mean, I never got drunk until I was 23. No was way. A bad hangover. Yeah, it was such a bad hangover. Oh my God. I watched, I think I watched Finding Nemo and Monsters Inc. in bed because I was just so unwell. <laughs> I'm, <Yeah. laughs> They're not fun, the hangovers. <laughs> it's a no, bad no. Um, but yeah, go have fun. Enjoy yourself. And most of all, just learn because we're all here to have a good time. Absolutely. You know what? Yeah. I just, sorry, I should have, if I could include that as like a point, a small point for death, man, keep learn look at like i think i'm having a bit of an unexpected career shift because the things you can learn online please let me make that as a final point like ah oh, the internet is a beautiful place uh just go and learn anything you do me like there's cheap stuff there's like expensive crazy courses but yeah reach out and definitely keep learning keep learning yeah and youtube you sorry yeah I've, i wasn't always big on youtube you know until now recently and certainly with coding like half when i'm trying to do something it's someone on youtube that's like no worries let me help you do this absolutely yeah <laughs> too true <laughs> Matt, honestly i i could literally talk to you all day i, I yeah, have, sorry, talked, I have spoken that. to you all day before i have <laughs> we've had times in work where we spoke all day um so matt thank you so much for coming on and taking the time and sharing your knowledge i am so excited to see what comes next i urge everyone to go on to instagram go on to nerdjar follow your path and then any of the other new ventures i'm sure you'll be posting about them as well and maybe if I get to a season three or a season four, we can come back on and have a reflection and a review. I'd love, yeah, I'd love to see that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have a couple of our, our other things live by then. I'm hoping to have, I'm building a personal utility app now for sort of portfolio visualization. So if anyone's uh, particularly using the hero and interested, uh, reach out because I'm hoping to do some testing soon. Uh, but aside from that, let me say as well, yeah, please um, reach out to me if you have questions or, or anything, really, just say hi. Um, I'm a friendly guy, but reach out to me on LinkedIn or, or something like that as well. That would be great. Perfect. Um, well, Matt, thank you so much. So there you have it. Matt's journey so far as a serial entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I was definitely on a super high recording it hence the chatty hyper quick <laughs> responses but I love having that energy and I love after a podcast continuing that energy and also being inspired by the people I have on and also motivated to continue with my goals and I hope you are as well as a listener if you have any more questions for Matt I mean I myself could have spoken to him for hours longer but I do appreciate not everyone has all those hours to listen. <laughs> but if you do, please reach out to him on Instagram or via his website, Nerdjar. But if you have any questions, please reach out to Matt or myself. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please do not hesitate to provide feedback, good or bad. I'm always trying to learn here and better the content I publish. But thank you so much again for listening. Happy December 21st. It's my Nana's birthday, so I'm delighted to be able to spend it with her today. And Merry Christmas. And I hope you have a wonderful new year full of new goals and new challenges. 
So thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week, a wonderful Christmas, and I'll see you next Monday. Thank you.